Let's give it up one more time for our sister Susie and Pastor Mark. Man, they got talent. You know, I was going to do a song too, but, uh, you know, I decided, I decided I'd hold off on that today. I've got my guitar at home, you know, I, I play and I rap and you know, got some different talents. I want to welcome you to New Philadelphia Church, especially all our guests. We're really glad that you decided to join us today. I'm, I'm hoping that all of you guys, you came here willingly and not because your friends dragged you here. But even if they did, I'm glad you didn't fight them all the way up the stairs. And we're glad you're here with us today. I really feel that today I have a word for you from God. And if you're taking notes, a lot of people, we take notes whenever a sermon's preached because we believe that every Sunday when we gather the words that come from the pulpit, Jesus said, he said, they're spirit and life, meaning that they have power to regenerate power to bring life. And every single one of us, we want to experience a greater measure of power in our lives. And so today I want to talk to you about journeying with God. I want to talk to you about going on a journey. How many of us like to go on trips? You know, growing up, I was always that kid that loved to go on road trips. You know, it was like the one time out of the year where we would get together and my family would actually do something fun. The rest of the time, like, you know, they just tell me to sit at the little kid's table, shut up, don't have anything to say. But the trips were always the best times for us. I remember when I was like 10 years old, I'm from North Carolina originally. Anyone from North Carolina? No? Okay. Woo hoo, North Carolina. That's fine. That's fine. After service, if I talk to somebody and they say I'm, they're from North Carolina, I love you. But every, every summer... When I was 10, starting when I was 10 years old, my mom was like, Marcus, this summer we're going on a road trip, right? And me and my brothers and sisters, we'd be like, yeah, you know, and I was like, where are we going? She's like, we're going to Bush Gardens, right? And if you know, if you know anything about Bush Gardens, it's like an amusement park. If you are from Korea, you know, Everland, Eboland, you know, Lotte World, Six Flags, it's kind of like that. And so my mom was like, we're going on this road trip. So me, my brother and sister, my mom, my grandmom, all my uncles, their children, everyone got together. Like, I don't know how we were all able to fit in the same car, but we made, we went on this road trip up to Bush Gardens. And I was so excited. Like, I remember stopping at the rest stops, you know, except rest stops in America aren't like in Korea, like in Korea, you can step out, you know, it's like, you can get yourself some food. You can do it. Rest stops in America. Like you stay in the car, like <laughs> bring a flashlight to the bathroom. Like, and, uh, 
Well, it was just so much fun. And I remember getting there. I remember getting to Virginia, getting there to Williamsburg. And, and I remember being so excited because we were going to go to Bush Gardens. We were going to be, and we were going to ride all the rides. I was, I was tall enough to ride like <laughs> half of the rides. And I remember like the first day we got there, I was like, oh, snap, this is going to be fun. But then we passed by this clothing outlet. And as soon as I saw the look on my mom's face, I knew we weren't going to Bush Gardens anymore. <laughs> and the next day, I remember I was like, Mom, we're going to Bush Gardens, right? She's going, she said, uh, so, um, yeah, so you like my shoes? I was like, well, you, what about those shoes? Yeah, we kind of spent all the ticket money. Uh, you know, I remember crying. As a 10-year-old, it was okay to cry. You know, and so I was like, okay, all right, fine. My mom was like, next year we're going to Bush Gardens. I was like, fine, giving me 365 days to be bitter. You know, <laughs> comes back around, mom comes in the door, we're going to Bush Gardens. I was like, yeah, we jump in the car, we drive to Williamsburg, and then we pass by another outlet mall. But my mom tried to flip it on me. She tried to act like Bush Gardens wasn't in the plan. She was like, actually, we're going to the beach. I was like, Mom, you can't fool me. The beach is free. <laughs> you spent it. We went to Williamsburg three years in a row. I have no idea what Bush Gardens looks like. <laughs> Don't judge my mom. She's a lovely lady. She's just, you know. Got some shopping issues. It's fine. That she passed down to her son. I want to tell you something. If you're new today, we like to laugh here at Itaewon. So it's okay to laugh. Maybe you've had a church experience in the past where if you laughed or if you smiled, someone, you know, kicked you out of the service and rebuked you in the name of Jesus. I want to tell you it's okay to laugh. Jesus used humor. And even I remember, I, but I still love the fact that we went on those trips. I love the fact that we went on that journey. I love the fact that we all hopped in a car and that there were seven of us in the back seat, and that we went on this trip together. I remember actually the semester before I graduated, I was in college. I was in college a little longer. I was kind of Van Wilder-esque if, in my college days, if you've ever seen that movie. Um, yeah, don't watch it. <laughs> but uh, I wasn't really someone who paid attention in class until it became time in which they were like, you know, you need to get out of here. You know, you need to graduate. And so right before my 0.5 or 1.0 semester, whatever, my extra semester before I graduated, me and two other friends, we decided we are going to go on an epic road trip. So we hopped in my friend's mother's van, not our van, not our cars, you know, like we don't want to put mileage on our vehicles. That was kind of selfish, <laughs> but it was a Toyota. It was fine. And we hopped in this van and we drove 31 hours straight. And we drove from North Carolina because there's this highway you can take from North Carolina that'll take you all the way uh, to California. But we couldn't make it that far. <laughs> But we made it all the way to the Grand Canyon. 
So we went through Tennessee. We went through, if you're, if you're Canadian or you're from another country, you know, just bear with me. I'm going somewhere. If you don't want to hear all this talk about America, you know, sorry. Uh, we kept driving and we drove through, we drove through all these different states and we alternated. So someone would sleep in the back. We made a bed in the back. Someone would sleep for three hours and another person would drive for three hours. A person would sit in the passenger side and we kept rotating and we did this for 31 straight hours. And we got to, we went through, I remember driving through New Mexico, through Albuquerque at night and looking at the lights and hoping that we didn't die on the way. And then I almost hit a deer in Arizona. I did hit a bunny. <laughs> I feel I feel just as bad. All right, I'm the one that hit the bunny. Um, ah, oh, thumper. It was sad. Like every we we actually parked the car and like we got out. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Anyways, continue and we drive and we get to the Grand Canyon. We get there right at dawn, and so we stand there. And I remember standing there and looking out over the Grand Canyon as the light came over it and just standing there and, you know, we were just like, it was so epic, right? It's so awesome. And, you know, like we was, and. But and then we went up. We went into we we drove up to uh, through Utah into Colorado. We stayed in a hostel in in Denver. Uh, don't ever stay in one in America. They're not that clean. And then we went through Wyoming, where I was afraid I was going to die because there's like nothing in Wyoming, unless you're from Wyoming. And then there's a lot of stuff in Wyoming. <laughs> and then we went to South Dakota. We saw I saw Mount Rushmore, and then went through saw the arch in in st louis and then we drove back um now we didn't do that on like another like we slept we stayed in at campgrounds and and i remember sleeping in cabins thinking like i'm the first person in my family ever to sleep at a campground um yeah black people just don't do that (laughs) and uh but the funny thing is that i don't remember the grand canyon Oh, I know. I don't remember Mount Rushmore. I cannot tell you whose faces are on there. (laughs) Some of the Americans are like, give back your passport. I don't remember. I I remember. I remember standing under the arch. Okay. I remember that in St. Louis because um, Nelly's video, the rapper Nelly, country grammar. So we were like under the arch and I was like acting like I'm rapping. (laughs) <laughs> I got pictures. I got pictures. They're on my Facebook. And uh but I don't remember what the Grand Canyon looks like. I don't remember spending all that time there. I remember the journey. I remember the the length of time it took. I remember us sleeping. I remember sleeping in the van being unbelievably uncomfortable. I remember us having so many different moments throughout that trip. I remember the when I almost hit a deer and thumper and I'm, I'm sorry, Sarah, I'm sorry. We'll talk about it afterwards. Forgive me. I don't remember the destination, but I remember the journey. And many of us, we think that Christianity is all about the destination. 
You know, I'll just pray a prayer. Someone's going to just have me pray a sinner's prayer so I can, when I die, I can stand before those white gates, you know, before, before the little fat guy with the wings that are too small for him. And he's looking at the list and I'm hoping my name is on there so I can get in. And pretty much that's what Christianity is about. It's all about you just trying to get into heaven. It's all about you getting into this destination, but really it's about a journey. Really, it's about a journey with God. And it's about a journey that can transform you. It's about. It's about. This epic. Journey. That we can walk in and that we can live in that changes not just us, but our families, not just our families, but our friends, not just our friends, but everyone around us. And I want to tell you, God has made us for journeys. There's something about each and every one of us that we love to go on journeys. We love being a part of something great. I just recently went and saw that movie, uh, Les Miserables. Les Miserables. You know, it's a girl on staff. She's from Quebec. And I, I was like, so in French, every S is silent, right? She's like, yeah. And I was like, so it's Les Miserables. She like wanted to smack me. Like, I went and saw that movie. The movie was three hours long. But I loved it because it was an epic story. It was a journey. I felt like I was going on a journey with that person throughout that story of, you know, Jean Valjean. <laughs> you know, there's so many movies. There's so many things about us where we just gravitate towards being a part of a journey. And today, God wants to invite you into a journey with him. Maybe it's something you're not used to. Maybe it's something you feel uncomfortable about. But I want to tell you, we're all on a journey. The question is, are you on a journey with God on your own? Where is it leading? If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to look at one particular passage of Scripture You know, the Bible is 66 books. It's an amazing book. And it's it's got these different letters that have been written. It, when I wasn't when I didn't know Christ and when I didn't know God, I thought that, you know, it was just a book that some fishermen got together and wrote. And I was like, why do you want to ever look at that? But if you know anything, even historians, they look at the Bible and they marvel because it's been written over the course of thousands of years by a lot of people who weren't connected with one another, who lived in different geographical areas. And somehow, some way, they all were able, they, all these things were all connected. See, the Bible was written through men by God. It was inspired by God. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. So I want you to look in Matthew. If you don't, Matthew's after Malachi. It's before the book of Mark. And if you don't have a Bible with you today, you can look up on the screen. And we're just going to read verses 13 to 14. And we're going to read it all together. All right. So one, two, three, she Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Amen. In this passage, Jesus 
this man Jesus is teaching and he's he's standing before many different people of many different backgrounds and he's giving this sermon. It's a lot longer than what my sermon will be today, but he's giving a sermon and and at a certain point he speaks this to him. He says, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. You know, I talked to you about the movie Les Mis, right? It was actually a book written by a guy named Victor Hugo. And he did not write it in English. And in the same way, the Bible was not originally written in English. Surprise. The Old Testament... What we know is the Old Testament was written mostly in Hebrew and then the New Testament where this is found is written in a combination of Aramaic and Greek. And just like that, that movie Les Mis, if you want to know anything about what Victor Hugo was trying to say, you actually need to look at the French. You need to look at the language that he's using at that time so you can understand what he's really trying to say. And I know as we read this, some of you are thinking, what does this have to do with journeys? What does this have to do with journeying with God? He doesn't say journey. He says way. He says gate. But in order to really understand, you've got to look in the original language. Don't worry. You're not going to have to learn Greek today. I already did it for you. The word way in the Greek. It actually means journey. So what Jesus is actually saying, he's saying, enter by the narrow gate for the gate. The access point is wide and the journey is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the journey is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. I want to give you three things about taking a journey with God today. And the first thing I'm going to talk about these different journeys that Jesus talks about. And the first journey he talks about is a journey that is wide and a journey that is easy. And it leads to destruction. See, there's a there's a pathway. There's a journey that you and I can take. And it's very easy. Everyone's taking it. But at the end of the day, it leads to destruction and it destroys. It doesn't just lead to destruction. It is destructive. I want to talk to you about this wide and easy journey in the Greek. The word where he says the the journey is easy. That word for easy actually means spacious, comfortable. He says there's a journey that you can take that is easy. There's a journey you can take that's comfortable But at the end of the day, it destroys you. I was reading a book recently called uh, uh, The Demise of Guys by a guy named Philip Zimbardo. He's a he's a famous sociologist and he wrote about the effects of pornography and the effects of video games and what it's what it's doing to our society today. And what he said was that the reason why people are drawn to pornography is because they don't want to go through the process of learning how to pursue anyone anymore. They don't want to go on the journey of getting to know someone and being faithful to that individual. 
and learning to know them and be known. You know, instead, just cut on the just cut on the computer screen, just cut on the television. You know, pornography has no fear of rejection, right? You know? Said so the reason why many people nowadays are drawn to video games is because if you lose a vi- in a video game, you can always just cut it off, right? You ever played Madden with someone and or played any video game and you're losing? You know, I used to be so bad as a kid. Like I would play with my brother and anytime he'd start to beat me, like cut it off real quick, you know? <laughs> my brother, every time you're like, what are you doing that for? I'm like, oh, there's something wrong with it. It's something wrong. But what he talks about in this study, this is not a Christian study. This is completely a secular study. What he said was that many guys are attracted to video games. Many people are attracted to video games because they have a desire for journeys. They have a desire to go on adventures, but they don't want to pay the cost that it takes to actually go on one. So I'll play my video game. And if I lose, I can always cut it off. I don't want to go through the awkwardness of actually trying to get to know this woman. So instead, I'll either treat her as an object or I'll look at pornography. It's not just like that. I know I just single those two out. So maybe a couple people, not every, you know, no one in here is convicted by that. No one. But it's not just with pornography and video games. But let's talk about anger, bitterness, unforgiveness. It's real easy in the beginning. You don't want to go through the trouble of talking to that person and reconciling with them because it's easier. It's so much more comfortable. It's so much more spacious for you to take the journey of just being angry and feeling justified. I don't want to go through that hard process of forgiving my parents for what they did. I don't want to go through that hard process of forgiving that person for hurting me because the way that I'm on is easy. It's comfortable. He says the way is easy. It's spacious. It's wide. But he says at the end of the day, it destroys you. Maybe it's maybe it's not that maybe it's. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's desiring things for ourselves. You know, so often for me, it's, it's easier for me to just want more and want more and want more things. Look out for number one. Look out for myself. But over time, what does it do? It destroys my relationships. It destroys my sense of self. It, it fills me with so much shame and condemnation. You know, my, my grandfather, he was an alcoholic. That was a way that was easy for him. And he, he passed away last month. And my grandfather, he was an alcoholic. And that way was so easy for him because he was so depressed about what was going on in his circumstances that he would just drink himself. He would use alcohol as a means to escape. Some people use other things as means to escape. But he would use he would drink alcohol and he would continue to do so. And then after a while. What he would do was that he would. uh, He would get so drunk that he would beat. 
my grandmother. He would beat my grandmother and even he would pull guns on my grandmother. Now, that's like crazy. Like, you know, somehow my grandma, my grandmother would still stay with him. I was like, I wish I could just be a fly on the wall. I'd been the loudest fly on the wall. Like, you know, leave. But he would get drunk and he would beat her. And in this way, he didn't even realize what it was doing. He didn't realize the effects that it was having. He didn't realize that it was destroying him and it was destroying his family. Actually, he didn't realize it until his daughter came of age. And then she got into a relationship with a guy that was abusive. And it was getting it was getting passed down. My grandfather, he used to sit before my grandmother and he would laugh and he would mock her and he would tell her about the other women that he was sleeping with. And he didn't the light didn't come on for him because this way is easy. It's spacious. It's comfortable for him. He's getting his needs met. Right. We're all about our needs. But the light didn't come on for him until he was sitting before my mother and she was telling him how. The guy she was dating would sit in front of her and mock her for the girls, the girls that he would sleep with. It gets passed down this destruction in this easy way. It's a quick way. You get to your destination really quick, but it destroys you in the process. It's sin is like eating chocolate. I'm not saying sin is chocolate. (laughs) What I'm referring to when I'm talking about this way that is easy, this way that is light, this way that it's easy and comfortable for you. But one day it will bring destruction. I'm talking about what we call sin. It's like eating chocolate. It's like eating. Let's 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 take it to Korea, right? All up in we're all in Korea. Uh, Ramen, ramen. You know, one, I got really lazy one week, one week and, uh, don't judge me. No one, please. You know, I've changed, <laughs> but I ate, I ate ramen every day for a week and it tasted good every time. <laughs> you know, I got, I went and there's this one flavor. It's called Nagasaki Jampong. That joint is the bomb. It is awesome. Got a witness. And, you know, I would heat that up and I, I would wake up in the morning. I'm like, what am I going to eat? Should I cook something? You know what? I don't want to go to the grocery store. I do have Nagasaki Jampong. So I would go and I'd make it. I'd eat it. I'd eat it with a smile on my face, right? Just, mm, oh, this is so good. So good. By the end of that week, I woke up and I thought I was going to die. I probably was going to die. I could not move. My face was swollen. I looked like I had gotten a fight with Mike Tyson. Like, it was like, it tasted so good to me. It was comfortable, but it was destroying my body. When all I needed to do was to get up and go through the process of actually going to the grocery store, cook, chopping up some vegetables, you know, putting the, the chicken on the, okay, the beef. I don't always eat chicken, but putting it, you no, know, on the skillet, getting myself a little bit of rice, 
But I didn't want to do that. You know, that, that way was too hard. That was too much of a journey for me. So I just ate the lamian. And it almost killed me. <laughs> Many of us, we look at the sin that we're in and the things that we're doing and the way that we are on. And right now it tastes good. It feels comfortable. And you feel like it's never going to catch up with you. But I'm telling you, it's destroying you. Actually, I don't have to tell you. There's something inside of you that's telling you that that thing is destroying you. In the middle of the night, you're thinking, why can't I give this up? Why can't I stop this? I know that it is not helping me or anyone around me. It's a way that is easy, but it leads to destruction. But there's another way. There's another journey. And it's a different journey. It's a narrow journey. It's a journey that Jesus says, few find it. Actually, he says that the journey's hard. It doesn't that doesn't tingle your ears to hear, you know, you should take a hard journey. Right. That's like, you know, when you you, you're like, "I, I should work out. And then you think about that hard journey. You're like, I don't want to run. You know, like one of our pastors, he meets with me for accountability and he was like, Marcus, you should you should take care of your body. You should run. And I looked at him and I said, listen, I only run from something or to something. I I don't just run for the sake of running. Like that's too hard of a journey. But there's still something inside of you that desires a journey that means something, right? Isn't there something inside of you that is drawn to a journey that may be difficult, but at the end, you know, it's going to transform you. Isn't there something inside of you that that actually desires to be a part of something that is bigger than you? I was watching this documentary called Brady Six about this quarterback for the New England Patriots called Tom. His name is Tom Brady. And I'm not a Patriots fan. I'm from North Carolina, but so we have the Carolina Panthers. I think we win like one game a year. It's a hard journey. But I was watching it and it talked about how him, he as a quarterback, he was drafted in the sixth round next to last round. He was the last quarterback selected. He was the 198 people were selected before him. I mean, imagine what that does for your self-esteem, right? If we all decided today we're going to play flag football and you're the last person picked. Like, I don't know how many of us would be like, yes, thank you for the opportunity. (laughs) But I was watching it. And the crazy thing about about Tom was that he saw it as he saw it differently. It was a little crazy, actually. He saw it and I was watching it. I couldn't stop watching it. I was watching it with one of our other pastors, Pastor Christian. And he he actually is a Philadelphia Eagles fan. He can't stand the Patriots because they beat them in the Super Bowl. And uh, he couldn't stop watching it. And what it was, was because it was telling the story of how Tom Brady continued to persevere. He saw all these people around him that were getting opportunities, but he kept working harder. He kept believing that he was there for a purpose. And he kept believing that if he took this hard journey, it was going to pay off. 
There's something in us that is drawn to a journey that's not easy, but maybe a journey that's a little harder. You know, no one is drawn to a journey that's short and easy. You don't remember that. You know, you don't pay 12,000 won to go see a movie that lasts five minutes. You don't pay 10,000 won. Movies are expensive in Korea. You don't pay to go see a movie that's, you know, just five minutes. Imagine if you, if you heard that there was a movie that was showing this epic film, this epic journey, and then you walked in and you sat there and it was five minutes long. It was easy. It was short. You know, the person shows up, they fall down, they get back up, the end. We would start burning stuff. You know, we would start throwing chairs. Okay, maybe that's just me. No, we're saying, you know, when we step in there, we're expecting to be a part of a journey that is, that has meaning. That's going to actually maybe even transform us in the process. Every single one of us in this room, that's what we want to be a part of. And Jesus, when he talks here and he says, the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. He's talking about a journey with him that speaks to us profoundly and ultimately it transforms us. See, because of sin that was passed down, because of the sin that you and I experience in that first path. There's we each and every one of us, we're on a pathway to destruction. I talked about my grandfather and that sin that was passed down to to my mother and then actually even onto me as I was abused. Our first parents, not just grandparents, but our first parents, they sinned and rebelled against God. And that sin. That propensity to to look out for the, the journey that's easy, the journey that's comfortable, but ultimately leads to destruction. That that's in each and every one of us. We all can actually relate to that story. But still and yet, there's something in each one of us that desires to be a part of a different journey. Not even the people in this room, but every single person in this earth, they want to be a, a part of this narrow journey. That leads to life. That transforms. That changes. But all of us are working by our own ways to try and get onto that path. When I talk to Muslims on the street, they're praying five times a day. They're fasting as much as they possibly can. Why? Because they're, they're hoping that this Allah that hates them will ultimately bring them into a path that will lead to life. For the Buddhist, when, they, when they're emptying themselves, they're hoping that ultimately I can move from this path of destruction to one of enlightenment. For the hedonists, they're hoping that if they can get themselves as much pleasure as they possibly can, then they'll be able to have life. They'll be able to live it up, right? Because all of us want to be a part of a journey that leads to life. But I want to tell you something. 
this way, this journey, it's not a pilgrimage. It's not five steps to a better life. It's not pray a prayer and then it's done. It's not a pilgrimage. It's a person. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, he says, I am the way, the truth and the life. That word he uses for way is the exact same word. He says, I am the journey. He says, I am the journey. You may have stepped into this room today and thought, I, oh, he's going to tell me to give up something. He's going to tell me to stop doing something. He's going to tell me that I need to do better. But that's not Christianity. That's Islam. It's not about a pilgrimage. It's about a person. Because what happens is in Christianity, it's the only religion where you encounter an individual. And you encounter a person who has the power to take you from a way to destruction and bring you into a way of life. He's the only person. He doesn't he doesn't put you on the journey. He is the journey. In fact, he decided he was sitting up on his throne. He looked down and he saw that we were headed for destruction. He looked and he said, they are heading towards a pathway that's going to lead to destruction. And many of them are going to go that way. But I'm going to take a journey. I'm going to take on the form. God takes on the form of man. And then he walks a sinless life. Every single one of us, we want to live a life that is sinless. We want to live a life that is without missing the mark. Maybe some of you are thinking, I don't, I don't have that kind of grid. No, that's moral. No, that's not me. No, there's a, there's a grid inside of you that says that differentiates between right and wrong. And it wasn't culturally taught. No one. It, it wasn't given to you by society. It was already in you. There's something inside of you that understands injustice, injustice. If someone steals something from you, I bet you you're going to say, you know, hey, we need to. This person needs to pay. There's this grid inside of you that understands sin. But see, Jesus, when he looked, he said, you know what? I'm the only way that's going. This is the only way that all this sin and all these things that have been done on this path of destruction is going to be paid for. So that people will be able to start a different journey with me. David said. David, he said in Psalm 23, he said, he leads me in paths of righteousness. See, Jesus came. He lived a sinless life. He was persecuted. He was crucified. He took on your sin, all your mistakes, past, present and future. Every time where you've missed the mark, every time you felt shame and condemnation, every time where you felt separated and felt alone, he took it and he took it upon himself. He died. He rose again. He walked a path of righteousness 
so that he could lead you through it himself. As you grow to know him and his people. I was an atheist for six years. I hated Christians. I hated Christians. Anytime someone would walk up to me and say anything about Jesus, you know, it was on. It was like, you know, it was like I was, you know, wanting to throw down with them. I just could not stand them. But what transformed me was not praying a prayer. What transformed me was going, beginning a journey with Jesus. And as I, as I grew to know him, as I grew to encounter him, as I grew to encounter him and other people whom he had transformed, it transformed me. I used to hate. Now I love. I used to be bitter. I had, I had many reasons to be bitter. I was abused for 15 years. Told I was nothing. Told I would always fail. People around me, they constantly put me down. I had many reasons I thought in my mind to be bitter. But what happened was I realized and I encountered the one who had taken all of it. He he almost put a mirror in front of my face and he showed me all the times where I had fallen short and how he had removed it, how he was the way. It changed me. And it wasn't an immediate thing. It was a journey. It's a journey I'm still on. It's a journey that many of the people in this room are still on. And there is a destination. But right now, what God cares about is the journey. And it's him. It's growing to know him and be known by him. So if you're a guest today and maybe you've been coming out I want to challenge you I want to challenge you today to start that journey with God and it's not something that happens on your own I meet so many people that say well yeah oh me and Jesus we like this you know he's my homeboy you know but they haven't they're not a part of a community. They're not a part. They're not in fellowship. They're not in relationship with other people who have encountered this way. And all of a sudden they go back to their old ways. I want to challenge you today that for the next four Sundays, I want you to come out. Be straightforward. I want you to come out and I challenge you. I, I bet you. You're going to change. Those areas that have been hidden. God doesn't want to expose you. He wants to cover you. Those areas that you felt like you're never going to get free from. He sets you free. And you don't have to worry about being worthy. I love this quote. It says that you're worthy because you're loved. Not loved because you're worthy. 
And if you've already been coming out, you've already been taking part in this journey with us, go deeper. There's always another level. I believe that as you take this journey with him, you're going to look back even a month, even a Sunday, a week later, and you're going to look at yourself in the mirror and you're going to realize that something's different. And it's because you've encountered the one who is the way. The early church, they didn't call themselves Christians. They didn't walk around saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. They didn't have that terminology. Actually, the early church, when it first started after Jesus had died, resurrected and ascended. They called themselves the way. The journey. And that's what God wants to invite you into today. Let's pray.